So I guess it's like officially Christmas season now. Um, a couple of reasons you can know. They got the tents everywhere selling the Christmas trees. And you can't see this, but up here there's like five kinds of cough drops up here on the stage. So like these are the tips that it's Christmas season. Um, make sure I know where we're at in the time of year. Let me ask a couple of questions. How many of you would say that right now you've at least got one, the first of many, Christmas decorations up at your house? Almost everybody, okay. How many of you have at least one, you've at least the first of many Christmas presents you've already bought? A lot. How many of you at least one, the first of many pounds you've already gained? <laughs> okay, so I mean, why wait? It's, it's time, and so I don't know if you guys know this, um, I'm required by law. Uh, to preach a series at Christmas with a Christmas theme, and that's pretty easy because there are just so many wonderful things about Christmas. But this year we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, this year, for the next four or five weeks, we're going to talk about some of the bad stuff about Christmas, and that's why we're calling the series Bah Humbug. And you may be thinking, you know, Larry, there's nothing bad about Christmas. We'll see. <laughs> uh, today we're going to talk about one of the most sacred, beautiful, wonderful, horrifying things about Christmas, and that is spending time with your family. <laughs> and I mean, this doesn't apply to my family, obviously, probably doesn't apply to yours. But like the people in the second service, <laughs> a lot of them at Christmas have to spend time with relatives that are um, difficult. And so for those people, and, and for anyone whose, whose Christmas joy is a little less joyful because they have to be with family, for anyone who spends every day from Thanksgiving to New Year curled up in the fetal position, just saying to themselves, family is good, family is good, family is good. <laughs> if, if that sounds even a little familiar to you, then I just want to encourage you today with a little Christmas poem that I've written for you, and I call it Weird Relatives. It was the, Christ the season of Christmas, and all around the world, carols and presents and goodwill were swirled. There was so much to celebrate, so many joys, like family and cookies and a bunch of new toys. There were so many reasons to be happy this season. And Jesus, of course, was the one biggest reason because he came down to save us from heaven above, and he gave us a season with so much to love. We love Christmas spirit, the feeling, the mood, and we love Christmas stockings and the trees and the food. We love Christmas parties and movies and sweaters. We even wear them in Texas <laughs> in really hot weather. We love the lights and the wreaths and the poinsettia blossoms. Almost everything, Christmas, is really just awesome. 
But December and Christmas aren't all fun and games. Some things at Christmas are kind of a pain. Like family comes from all over, from near and from far, and they come in by plane and by train and by car, and they stay at your house and they eat all your food, and you just wish they would leave. But you don't want to be rude. <laughs> but they eat all the cookies that you carefully baked. <laughs> and they walk down the hall from the tub nearly naked. <laughs> and you want to be nice, and you really love Ken, but you just don't really think you can do it again. Because that one uncle's so loud, and that aunt smells like whiskey, and their dog humps your leg, and they say he's just frisky. And some cousins are bossy and judgmental and mean, and some aunts are so jealous their face turns to green. And your grandma has lost it. She once was so classy. And grandpa, each year, gets a little more glass gassy. And your nephews are wild. When they're here, there's no peace. But they're angels compared to that one evil niece. And uncles range from obnoxious to pushy to rude, and some are plain nasty and ugly and crude. A lot of the folks in our families are what some people might call a pain in the butt. So we love Christmas season and all that it brings. And we love the church bells, and we smile when they ring. And we love Christmas plays in a church with a steeple. But the worst thing about Christmas might be some of the people. And some of the people most easily hated are people to whom we are closely related. <laughs> but just before New Year's, we'll get a reprieve. Because in our weird family, we'll finally leave. And we'll wave in the driveway, and we'll cry, but not grieving. <laughs> but for joy, because our weird family is finally leaving. Now, we love Christmas season, but our one greatest fear is that our family will come back for Christmas next year. <laughs> so, so touching. Um, so when I read that poem, like where do you, how many of you hear that poem and you think, I don't know what he's talking about because everyone in my family is delightful. Thank you, two people. How many of you hear that poem and it's like, yep. <laughs> I think we all probably deal with some relatives um, at Christmas who are EGR, you guys familiar with that acronym? It's a clinical condition, extra grace required. How many of you have an EGR in your family? Yeah, almost all. Uh, how many of you have a PIB? Pain in the butt. Yeah. Got a couple of those too. Um, honestly, it's not just at Christmas. It's it's all the time, and truthfully, it's not just our weird relatives. I mean, God's our Father, right? So the whole world is one family, and we we live in a broken world, full of broken, unlovable people. We are surrounded every day by EGRs and PIBs. And Jesus says, we're supposed to love them. Um, look at this verse. It's John 13, 34. 
Jesus says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So Jesus condensed 600 laws of the Old Testament down to two. Love God, love each other. And now he's narrowing it down even further. One single new all-encompassing commandment that supersedes all the other rules that contains and envelops all the other laws and all the other commandments, and it is love one another. Jesus says, if we are his disciples, we'll show it to the world. In fact, we'll show him to the world by the way that we love people. And sometimes that's easy, right? Because some people are easy to love. Um, you guys know the Nismith family? I'll show you a picture of them real quick. So this is, wait for it, that's Kendall and Kimbo and Lindley and Raylan and Channing and Childs, or possibly Childs and Channing. Uh, <laughs> hard, hard to say. Um, don't you love them? Yeah. Let me ask you something. Even if you don't know them, don't you love them already? Right, it's because they're just lovable. I mean, they're, they're cute. They're fun. They match. <laughs> they're, they're adorable. They're, they're charming and, 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 and lovable. It's easy to love them. You wish all of your relatives were that lovable, right? You wish all those people at work were that lovable. It's easy to love lovable people, but what about the weird relatives? How are we supposed to love them? What about all the broken people in your family, in your job, in your school? your community, and your church? What about all the EGRs? What about all the PIBs, right? What about the people that are mean and stupid and selfish? What about liars and hypocrites and bad drivers? What about people with BO and bad breath and eye boogers? What about people that are rude or lazy or think they know everything? What about people, what about ax murderers and bank robbers and people that take more than 15 items to the express lane <laughs> at HEB? What about, what about people that use the word literally in literally every sentence, right? What about what about people that are in the wrong political party but think they're in the right political party? Jesus, Jesus expects us to love them because that's asking a lot. Um, but just to be clear, that is what he's asking. That is what he's asking. It, it's what defines us as Jesus followers. Look what he said. This is Matthew 5, 47. He said, if you're kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do. If you love lovable people, everybody does that. Even pagans do that. And I need to say this, a little sidebar. Of course you can be kind to someone and you can love someone and not be married to that person or not be in business with that person or not be with them all the time. Um, healthy boundaries are important in every relationship and especially in close relationships and especially in relationships with difficult people. You don't have to be you know, attached at the hip with every 
unlovable EGR and PIB in the world, but Jesus' instructions are that we should love them. And did you notice in that verse how he said we should love them? He said we should love each other like he loves us. And that, that's a pretty high bar, right? Because he loves us perfectly. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us sacrificially. He loves us completely. He loves us way more than we deserve. And, and he loves everyone in the world, even, even the unlovable EGRs and, and PIB. So today, I'm gonna ask you to do something like super hard, um, and that is to picture that person that you find so hard to love. And maybe it is a weird relative or an ex-relative or a boss or a neighbor or somebody at school or somebody at work or somebody at church. Maybe you got a bunch of them. Maybe you've got several unlovable EGRs and PIBs in your life. And like as a Christian, you know you want to follow Jesus and you want to honor this commandment. And, and with most people, you do fine. But with that person, right, or those people, it's, they're just... They're just unlovable to you. And so I'm gonna ask you to like picture that person and, and today we're gonna try to figure out how do you love people who are just hard to love? There, there must be a secret. And if anybody knows that secret, it has to be Jesus. Because Jesus loved them all, right? I was thinking this week, if you read all the stories in the New Testament, like of all of the really EGR people, that Jesus hung out with, right? All the PIBs in his life, right? All the really unlovable people. And just, I was like thumbing through the Bible, looking at these people, like James and John. These are not lovable people, right? They were, they were you know, Jesus is traveling around. They're disciples. They're, they're traveling with him. And he's going around, and he's preaching about love and the kingdom and all this stuff. And, they, and they're like traveling, right? And so they're trying to book reservations or something in this next town, and the people were rude to him or something. And so James and John go to Jesus, and they go, hey, boss, these people are kind of rude to us. What do you think if we pray for fire from heaven to come down and burn them all to death? These are not lovable people. Right? And then those same guys come to Jesus and they say, hey, we know in the kingdom, you're gonna be on the throne, we get that, you're the main guy, we know. But don't you think it'd be cool for us to sit on either side of you? And that way everybody would know that like, we're the most important people besides you. This is not a lovable trait. Right? And you know what's next? Then they send their mom. They look it up. They send their mom to Jesus and she's, oh Jesus, you know my boys are so special. You know, don't you, don't you think they should be able to sit on either side of you? And this, these, are not, these are not lovable people. And yet, Jesus somehow loved them. Right? Thomas, Tom, couldn't you just kill him? I mean, Thomas was with Jesus all of those years. He didn't just doubt the resurrection. He said he refused to believe. He didn't want to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. This is not a lovable person. But Jesus somehow loved him. Nathaniel, Nathaniel. So the first time Nathaniel hears about Jesus, they say, oh, great news, we found the Messiah, it's Jesus of Nazareth. You remember what he said? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can you imagine somebody saying, can anything good come out of Texas? Like, those are fighting words. That's not, a, you know, that's, that's not a lovable thing to say, but somehow 
Jesus loved all of these unlo- How about Peter? Come on. He's so bossy. He's so pushy. He argued with, he, Peter argued with Jesus about Jesus's like purpose. Jesus said, I've come, I'm gonna save the world, I'm gonna give my life to redeem the world. And Peter's like, no, you're not. Uh-uh, <laughs> uh-uh. And Jesus said, no, really, that's, nah, nah. It just, he's not, he's not a, he's not a lovable person. Then when Jesus needed him, the night it was all coming down, and Jesus is, he's, the Bible says his soul was crushed. Jesus was just demolished by what he was up against. So he gets his friends, his closest guys, Peter's right in the middle. Peter, come pray with me, man. This is so hard. Come pray with me. So he said, Peter, oh, sure, let me pray with you. He kneels down or whatever. Jesus goes over a few feet. He's praying, and then he starts hearing snoring. Right? He looks over. Peter's asleep. He's praying for the most horrible thing that's ever happened to anybody that's fixing to happen to him. And Peter is asleep. He's not, he's not a lovable person. He's, he's violent. He's been with Jesus for all these years talking about peace and loving each other and all that good stuff. The night he's betrayed, right? Remember, Judas comes to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to him? Friend, do what you came to do, right? We're not fighting, man. This, that's what I came for. Remember what Peter did? Picked up a sword and whacked off a soldier's ear. This is, can't you just see Jesus like looking at the ear on the ground and like, oh, Peter, I can Olive, you know, you're, you are killing me. That's not, this is not, he's, he's, not a lovable, he's not a lovable person. He bragged, oh, if Jesus dies, I die, right? I'm not scared, I'll die with him. And then like 15 minutes later, he's lying and saying he doesn't know who Jesus is. Not once, not twice, three times. And the third time was like a little girl. This was not, Peter was not just extra grace required. Peter was a pain in the butt. Peter was a completely unlovable person, and yet somehow Jesus loved him. And I, I mean, I like to talk about Peter, but all the disciples messed up, right? All the disciples doubted. All the disciples, when Jesus needed them the most, think about that. You're up against what Jesus was up against, and his best friends ran away. And yet somehow he loved them. What about Paul? You talk about extra grace required. When, when he met Jesus, what was he doing? He was going church to church, dragging people out and arresting them or killing them. This is not a lovable quality, right? And yet, as unlovable as he was, Jesus loved him. But the woman at the well, you know that story in John 4? Um, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman and man, she basically accuses Jesus of being a racist. She basically accuses Jesus of being a religious snob. She's, I mean, this is an extra grace required person. She, well, she's, uh, she's obviously hard to get along with. She's been married five times, right? She's now living with some guy. This is not this is an extra grace required person, but Jesus somehow loved her. He loved everybody, even un- the unlovable people, even the EGRs, even the PIBs. Jesus loved everybody, and I know what you're thinking. Yeah, well, Jesus didn't know my mother-in-law, right, or my whatever, my boss or my neighbor or whatever it is because that person is unlovable, right? That person has no redeeming. Jesus didn't meet anybody like her or it'd be different, but let me show you somebody in the Bible that maybe is like your mother-in-law. 
the uh, Gesserine demoniac. Do you know that story? A legion, do you know that story? So Jesus finds this guy and he is so full of demons that he can't live in the town with the people. He's on the edge of town, he lives in the cemetery by himself and he's naked and he's chained up and he spends his days cutting himself with rocks and screaming at people that are walking by him. Just like your mother-in-law, right? I mean, just completely, <laughs> this is a completely unlovable person, but Jesus loved people that were completely unlovable. Like the Roman soldiers. I, I mean, every time I read that story, I have to read it twice. Like, that can't be right. But he prayed for their forgiveness while they were torturing him, while they were laughing at him, while they were killing him. These were hard people to love, man. There were just so much bad about them. But Jesus somehow saw through the weirdness and the pride and the selfishness and the hate. He somehow saw something good, even in people that weren't that good. Some, somehow Jesus saw something lovable in them. Somehow he looked past their flaws and saw their needs. Somehow he looked past what a pain they were and saw the pain that they were in. Somehow he looked past their failure and saw their potential. You know, James and John wanted to burn down a town and they wanted to sit next to Jesus in heaven, but Jesus somehow saw through their anger and their pride and saw two men who would eventually give their lives to spreading his message. And Nathaniel and Thomas, I mean, they doubted Jesus, but he saw through that, and he saw in them this, like, passion for the truth, and they ended up giving their lives for the gospel. Even Peter. Peter was pushy and bossy and kind of full of himself, but Jesus saw through all of that and saw a great leader in him. And Jesus saw Paul persecuting people and arresting people and killing people but he saw through that to a man who was relentless and tireless and brilliant and who really just wanted to honor God. Jesus, Jesus saw through the guy that was trash in churches and saw the world's greatest church planner. You know, Paul ended up writing half the New Testament and Jesus saw that in him. Jesus saw that in him even while he was persecuting the church. This woman at the well, Jesus saw past her sin. And he saw a woman who was hurting and who was confused and, and had so much to offer. I mean, she eventually brought her whole town to Jesus. And that demon-possessed guy, Legion, I mean, everybody saw how weird he was. Everybody saw how dangerous he was. Everybody saw how ugly and scary and violent and awful he was. But Jesus looked through all that and he saw somebody that was suffering and he offered him not judgment but healing and that guy ended up becoming an evangelist Jesus even saw something good in the Roman soldiers that, that nailed him to the cross it was easy to see bad stuff in these people but somehow Jesus looked through their weakness and their frailty and their failure and saw that they were created in the image of God. And somehow, he saw that the thing that made them such a pain 
was probably them reacting to pain. And he saw, somehow he could like, like look through their flaws and their sin and their failure and see their needs and their pain and their potential. Somehow he saw that even though they had failed a lot in the past on their own, he could see that there was unlimited potential in their future through him. And I think that might be the secret. I think that might, that might be the secret to loving, unlovable people. If we want to love people like Jesus loved people, we have to learn to see people like Jesus saw people. We have to learn to look through their flaws and look through their failure and see their pain and see their value and see their potential. We, we have to learn to see that those weird relatives, those unlovable people, those EGRs, man, they're, they're just like us. They're, we're, all, we're all broken images of a perfect God. We're all sinners in need of forgiveness and grace. We're all EGR. We're all extra grace required. We're all orphans in need of a family. We're all products of a messed up world and a painful past. We're all failures with incredible potential who apart from Christ can do nothing, but who through him can do everything. And maybe it's just about trying to see them differently. Maybe, maybe loving them better starts with looking harder. And I think that it takes some effort. Uh, I mean, it's work. Um, you guys remember, do you know what an auto stereogram is? Do you remember these things from the 90s? I think we have a picture of one. <clears throat> Mandy, can you put that up? So this is, um, there was like these books, Magic Eye. Do you remember those things? Everybody had those stupid posters. And they would say, well, if you look at it, you have to really focus. No, d unfocus. No, cross your eyes. Uncross your eyes. Get closer. Get farther. Just look at the surface. No, look all the way through it. I tried all that stuff. That, this thing came out in 1991, 31 years. I have never seen one stinking spaceship, right? I have never seen a dolphin. I have never seen a balloon. I have never seen a shark. I, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I try, and I, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. But this week, I decided I was going to look harder. And so I went on a mission, and I studied, and I learned all about virgin's accommodation conflict, and stereopsis, and binocular parallax, and I looked at them on screens, big and small, and I looked at them from far away and on paper. And I found one pretty good instruction, and it was like you get one on paper, and you put two dots on it, and you hold it like up to your nose, that close, and then you back it up until those two dots look like three dots. That's how far back, stop. Right there, cross your eyes, <laughs> and then you kind of slowly uncross your eyes. And so I'm doing this, standing in the bathroom the other night, naked, looking at this thing, and Margaret's like, what is happening? Because, like, my, I'm shaking. I'm, my smoke is coming out. I just, I, I want to see this. And then, in the wee hours of morning, I saw the shark. 
and the skies opened and angels sang and there was that shark. You guys want to see it? Show him, show him, man. If you can't see it now, we'll give you. now do you see it? So I had this like amazing moment, right? And then I like looked over to her. Hey, honey, come look at this. And I looked back and it was gone. I was like, oh my gosh, but you know what? Back to work. I started looking harder. And I just, and you know what, after a while, I got better at it. And then pretty soon I grabbed another one, and then another one, and then I saw them in the books, and I saw them on the posters, and I saw them on the screens, and I saw them from far away, and I saw them from close up. And I got better and better at, at doing it, and now I am a shark-seeing, dolphin-viewing, spaceship-grasping fool, man. I, I, I can see them now. But it didn't come easy. I had to learn to look harder. And I think that might be what we have to do when we're trying to love these unlovable people, when we're trying to love these EGRs and PIBs. They're, they're just no redeeming qualities. There's nothing good about them. There's, I, I, I think if we want to love better, we have to look harder. Because when I look harder, I, I see more, you know? When I, when I look through their flaws, now I, I can see their pain, and I can see their need. And when I look past what bugs me about them, it's like, oh, now I can see what maybe is causing that thing that bugs me about them. And when I look through, like, the problems with them, then all of a sudden I can see the potential in them. And when I stop seeing how awful and useless they are on their own, then that allows me to focus on what Jesus could do in them and what Jesus could do through them. When I, when I look harder, I see them better. And it's not that they suddenly become perfect, right? They're, they're not perfect. They're, maybe they're not even somebody that I should be in a close relationship with, right? They're not perfect they're any more than I'm perfect. But when I look harder, I see that even though they're not perfect, they are perfectly lovable. And that is easy for me because I'm a pastor, and I'm like super holy. And no, that's not true. Uh, so I'm a pastor, and, and I'm, I'm trying to get holier, but my holiness needs some work. And the truth of it is, sometimes it's hard for me to even want to love the EGRs and the PIBs that I find so unlovable, and it's hard for me to look harder and even try to see what's hurting them or what's causing them to be so unlovable. It's hard for me to look harder and see that even though they've failed a million times, they have unlimited potential in Jesus. It's hard for me to look harder and see that they're just like me. They're broken images of a perfect God who are nothing without Jesus, but who are amazing in Jesus. And maybe... Maybe it's hard for you too. Maybe you have people in your life that, I don't know, it's like whatever trait you hate the most, that's like their main trait, right? Or, or you know, whatever sin you think is the grossest, that's their favorite sin. Or maybe they've done something. Maybe they lied to you. Or maybe they lied about you. Or maybe they betrayed you or ignored you. Or maybe they hurt somebody you love and, and you know Jesus doesn't necessarily call you to be besties, right? He doesn't, maybe you don't have to marry him, you have to go into business with him, but you also know that Jesus very clearly calls us to love one another. 
And you know that, that loving them better probably starts with seeing them better. And maybe you also know that that means looking harder. And you know it. You know that's what you need to do, but you just don't know if you can. I don't, I don't know if I can, like, want to, right? And if I could just be honest with you, um, you probably can't. You, you probably can't. Um, it's, 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 it's probably too hard for you. It's, it's too hard for me, and I'm super holy, right? It's too hard for me. It's too hard for you. Um, but it's not too hard for Jesus because he did it, right? Um, and I think part of the reason that he did it, part of the reason Jesus was better at looking harder and loving better is because, you know, he's God, right? So of course he looked harder. Of course he loved better. He, he's God, and, you know, God is love, right? Jesus, the definition, Jesus was the spirit of God in a human body, and that's how he was able to, to love those unlovable Peter and Nathaniel and that demoniac and me and you. That's how he was able to see through our failures and our flaws and our, see our pain and see our need and see our potential. That's why Jesus was able to love the unlovable. Luke 4, 1 says he was full of the spirit. Of, no wonder he could do it. No wonder he could do it. He was full of the spirit of God. But if you're a believer, so are you. Romans 8 9 says, those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him. So what does that mean? If you do belong to him, you do have his spirit living in you and he is working on you and he is working in you and he is working through you. The same spirit, it's the same spirit. The same spirit that enabled Jesus to look harder and love better. The same spirit that helped Jesus see through the faults and the unlovableness of all of those people and us, that same spirit lives in you. And he's at work. Now Philippians 2.13 says, because some people say, well, I, I, can't even get, I can't even work up the want to, right? Look what this says. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So God wants to give us the desire to love better. And he wants to give us the power to look harder through his spirit in us. And I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not saying it's easy to look harder and to love better, especially these unlovable people in our lives. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what Paul said in Philippians 4.13. He said we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength, even loving, unlovable people. So my encouragement to you today is if there is a weird relative or unlovable neighbor or classmate or teammate or somebody in your office or your church that you find unlovable. Um, if all you can see in them is how unlovable and ugly and awful they are, by the power of the Spirit of God, look harder. Amen? Okay, let's pray. God, I thank you because you've created us to be in community. You've created us to be in relationship. You've created us to be with people. And I mean, we have free will. And so there's always going to be broken people making bad judgments and doing wrong things. That's just, that's the world we live in right now. 
And you've called us to love each other. You said that's the thing that differentiates us from pagans. That's the difference between Jesus' followers and others is that we love the people that are not lovable. And so we need your help. I mean, I think you've shown us what we have to do. We just have to, we just have to look harder. If we wanna love better, we have to look harder. We have to look past people's failures and see their potential. And we have to look past these character traits that irritate us and see what made them that way. What kind of pain are they in? What's brought them to this place? We have to look past all the ugliness in them and realize that they're just like us. They're broken people. we're, We're images of God, but we're not there yet. So I just pray that as we're in this season with our relatives and just all year as we're dealing with all of our brothers and sisters in the world, that when we find people that are unlovable, you will remind us to follow your example and to look harder to see what they've been through, to see what they're struggling with, to see the good in them, to see that they're created in your image, to see that they're someone that you thought was worth dying for. Help us to look harder so that we can love better. In your name, amen. Hey, before you go, a couple of quick announcements. Um, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. So Christmas Day is on Sunday this year. And so here's what we're gonna do. Our Christmas, our, our, our weekly services that week are gonna be on Christmas Eve, not Christmas morning. So we're not going to have church services on Sunday, the 25th, but we're going to have three services on Christmas Eve, Saturday, the 24th. And that's going to be at 1.30 and 3 and 4.30. We'll have child care for ages zero to kinder, not for elementary and up. Um, We could use your help with that um, because there are going to be lots of people, and so we're going to have lots of kids to take care of. And so if you'd like to help with that, we have a sign-up back in the kids' ministry. Maybe you could come to one service and serve in another service or help in another service. But we would love, love, love to have you join us Christmas Eve, not Christmas morning. Christmas Eve, not Christmas morning. If you get here Christmas morning, there's going to be nobody to cuss at because I'm not even going to be here. So (laughs) Christmas Eve not Christmas morning. Just make sure we're clear on that. Okay, the next thing, uh, Wednesday, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, that's the 14th from 7.15 to 8 o'clock, we're going to have a meeting, and we've been trying to, like, what are we going to call it? Um, Is it the town hall? And I think we're not calling it that. It's the what's up with the new building informational meeting of meetings. That's what, we wanted something, like, slick. So that's what we're going with. And so what that is, we're, you know, we're, we look around, right? We have space issues, and we're talking about should we build a building or something. We want to hear from God, and we know that sometimes he speaks through us through his people, so we want to hear from you. So I want you to be prayerful about what God would have us to do. I want you to come to that meeting, and we're going to dump it all on the table. Here's what we're up against. Here's what we're thinking about. Here's how it might work. Then we're going to send out a survey to the whole church, and we're going to have you respond to us and let us know what you think God is telling you about what we should do next. We want to do everything God is calling us to do, and we want to do only what God is calling us to do, right? We want to do everything God empowers us to do, and we want to do only what God empowers us to do. So we need your help. So I ask you to come to that meeting if you can. And that's it. You're going to run into some weird relatives this week. It's on. So love them. You're going to love better when you look harder. Amen. Goodbye. <laughs>